0: This was this woman's mission to set up these two lonely single individuals. And it doesn't even matter if they're not compatible, if they wouldn't make sense as partners in God's kingdom. Like, let's just get them together so they're not lonely.
1: This is The Unsuitable Podcast, where I interview single Christians in order to broaden the conversation on singleness and expand our collective imagination of what is possible for the single life. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to be talking about being single and in the church. The good, the bad and the awkward. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow, rate, and review so you don't miss new episodes. Today's an extra special episode of Unsuitable because you're going to get to hear from two guests at once. Audrey Elledge lives in New York where she works at Spark Notes and serves at Church of the City, New York. Elledge is the recipient of the Academy of American Poets Prize and the Virginia Beale Ball Prize born and raised in louisiana elizabeth moore now lives in new york where she works at penguin random house and serves with the church of the city new york creative team we're talking to both of them at once because they co-authored a book that releases today called liturgies for hope in this episode you'll hear about untangling cultural christian expectations how to treat singles as whole people allowing for all feelings and singleness and which kinds of relationships deserve more attention and why. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about Buzzsprout. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Podcasting is a great way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout makes it easy to get started. If you follow the link in the show notes, you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and you can help support the show at the same time. And with that, we're ready to dive into the conversation. So let's go. Hello, Elizabeth and Audrey. Welcome. Hello.
2: (laughs) So excited to be here.
1: Gosh, I'm just so grateful for y'all being here. I'm so excited to chat today and excited for your book to be out in the world. We are recording this exactly one month before your book comes out, and this is going to release on the day that your book comes out in the world.
2: Wow. Yay.
1: <laughs> exactly one month. Exactly one month. How are you feeling? Oh, man. I think we're just so
0: pumped. It's just a true delight and surprise. That's how we've been describing it because this was never meant to be a book. It just so yes. happened to become one. And so I think I won't speak for you, Elizabeth, but I feel like every day I wake up and I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> what is this?
2: I think that is the primary emotion. If what can be an emotion? Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> just like just what? Really? You know how on text messages you
0: can just do the question mark emoji to someone <laughs> you can respond with the question yes.
2: mark. We are That's how I Question mark reacting. Everything. Yep. Yes. With like a leading towards total excitement and delight as you said, Audrey. Yeah, it just yeah. feels so exciting kind of feels like Christmas morning almost like wow this is so fun like it's been so fun to do this together um truly it's just been like such a joy and so much fun so
1: that's how that's how we feel could y'all give just a wee blurb about how this book came to be how you came to co-author it yeah so
2: Audrey already mentioned this but it was never supposed to be a book so the book came to be before the word book was ever, you know, in our brains, we wrote this series of 11 liturgies in the middle of the pandemic. So, well, I wouldn't even say in the middle, like at the beginning Mm -hmm. during the, the height of the confusion and like uncertainty and anxiety, March, 2020, Audrey and I both are writers and we connected as writers. That's a big part of our friendship. And so During this time, Audrey actually had the idea for us to create this offering for our church, an offering of words. And so she was like, what if we came up with these liturgies, these like poetic prayers that put words to these anxieties that we're all feeling right now that are so new and un." familiar. And I, I mean, I just felt like every day I woke up at, on the verge of a spiral. <laughs> it's just like, ah, I don't know how today's going to go. And so we felt like we needed something that would ground us in prayer, ground us to truth an opportunity to like speak out these realities that we're feeling and facing, but then also like to turn to something steady. So yeah. So we wrote these uh, original 11 in the span of a weekend and gave them to our church. And we were like, share these in the church newsletter. And that was like all that we wanted to happen. And then a few other members of our creative team took it a step further. They built a website for these original liturgies that got shared pretty widely. And a few other churches began sharing them. And then the way it came to be a book (laughs) is that a pastor at King's Cross Church in London was sharing one of the liturgies with his congregation. And our UK editor was in the audience in the congregation. And so she heard one of the liturgies and was like, this should be a book. And so she contacted us and asked if we wanted them to be a book. And so that was how it got started. So it all it started with Elizabeth Neep, our our lovely UK editor. Uh, And then then a whole other slew of things happened, which involves Ashley Hong, who we were just talking about. But yeah, Ashley connected us to our agent, and um, then the, the ball just got rolling from there.
0: Yeah. There's just so many different people who were just amazingly in the right place in the right time and believed in mm-hmm. this this set of liturgies, I think, even before we did, because Elizabeth and I were really writing for ourselves. It was an offering for our church in the middle of this super confusing, weary, chaotic time. But I know when I was writing our first set of prayers, I was just like, okay, God, I just need steadiness, just like a moment of respite in the middle of this. And so to see those now transcend that time and give something to someone else is truly a miracle because I think it just goes to show that when you're going through something, someone else will probably get something from your
1: your expression of it. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I love this. Um, it's this something I love to do in my work as well is just kind of have the, I don't know, like have the courage to go first and be the one mm-hmm. to be like, hey, I'm feeling this thing and just kind of hope that like, People aren't going to look at you and be like, oh, my gosh, that is so weird. Yeah, you're (laughs) the the only only one. (laughs) one?
0: Yeah, I've (laughs) never felt that before.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Nobody in the history of humanity has ever felt that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, what is wrong with you? Uh, No, most of the time people are like, oh, my gosh, that like put words to what I was feeling so well. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you so much for saying that. I love love that about creative work and about writing in particular, that it has that ability and that power to like – Put something out into the world that can be like so resonant and so healing, I think, for Mm -hmm. people.
0: Yeah. I love that. The courage to go
1: first. I'm going to remember that. It's a vibe. So you wrote 11 of these liturgies in like a weekend. Would you say that the rest of the writing process was that seamless and
2: (laughs) effortless? (laughs) Absolutely yeah. not. So I where that question joking. was going and I was like, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah.
1: No. That's the very romantic version of writing that I had in my head when I started out. And then I actually mm-hmm. started doing it and I was like, oh, this is <laughs> not that. <Yeah.
0: laughs> yes. Yes. Not it is that. far more um, laborious. <laughs> Yeah, I think the first 11 were written so quickly because we had that sense of urgency. Like, Mm. we just wanted to get those words out. It was March 2020, you know? Like, it was this time when we felt like there was nothing to grasp onto except for Tiger King. Like, it was just a (laughs) weird time. And What what a life raft. (laughs) Yeah, what a life raft. (laughs) Was I clutching onto that? Yes, I was. Um, (laughs) But... uh, Yeah, I love that. Our um, pastor, John Tyson, he said something along the lines of, like, right now is a time when especially Christians might be binging bad content. So he was Mm. like encouraging us to turn to the Psalms and to scripture Mm. and to words of Mm -hmm. truth, like an anchor for, for ourselves and for our souls and our hope and our minds during this time. And so I think that's why we had so much urgency and we just cranked these out over a weekend because we Mm -hmm. wanted to offer like some sort of life raft or like a rope to throw out to people at sea, even if those people were just us, (laughs) like I was throwing myself a rope, I felt like. And then once we, you know, got the book deal and then needed to write 60 liturgies, that was like a marathon instead of a sprint. Mm -hmm. And it felt like running a marathon while only training for a sprint. That's what it felt like to me, at least, Mm. because it was our first time writing a full length book. And so it was just a big learning process. And I'm so grateful for it because now we can say we've written a book and there's like a certain level of confidence that that gives you because you're like, okay, if I can do it, then I can do it again. And yeah.
2: Yeah, that's a great metaphor. Running a marathon when only having trained for sprints. Yeah, I think the writing process I really learned that it gets done in the cracks of life. And mm-hmm. like I think you're alluding to this, Mary B, like we have these these ideals of like, oh man, when I write a book, it's just gonna be so cozy and magical. And I'm gonna be like, you know, filled with brilliance all the time and full of these mm-hmm. waves of inspiration. And really it's like A lot of the motivating factor is the deadline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think for me, it was so cool to be met with creativity, to be met by the spirit of God in that space of like, okay, I I have to meet this deadline. So I'm going to sit down to work in faith. I texted Audrey this this weekend. I was like, in faith, I'm like, I've reached the flow state. I was like feeling nothing. And I sat down to write and I'm like, I have nothing to give, but like, I'm going to try. And so, but and then like by faith, I'm like, I'm doing it. I don't know what's happening, but like a liturgy is done. So I just think that's one of the coolest things I've, re- I've like learned is like, you can sit down mm-hmm. feeling nothing, but the discipline of sitting down and, and starting to write and asking the Lord for words, for help,
1: <laughs> for yeah. like
2: anything, you know, for a line, like he gives it and it gets done and it's beautiful. And so I just, I think I've learned the discipline of writing and discipline has mm. less of a like ouchy connotation now because it's like actually a mm. gift. Like it's this like this tool I can use and this like muscle that I've exercised and Audrey has too. And yeah. now we know like when we sit down to write, it can happen. It can happen by faith <laughs> to yeah. yeah, cheesy about it, but it's true. Yeah. It
0: really was a gift. And like before we turned in our manuscript to our editor, we set aside a day. We went to this like cute brunchy hotel spot in Chelsea. And we just sat there (laughs) in their lobby without being guests for the full day (laughs) and like swapped what we had written with each other Mm -hmm. and just spent the day living in each other's words and like Mm -hmm. providing honest, but like super encouraging feedback to one another. And it was so cool because we both have an equal stake in this book. And so Mm -hmm. like just to like have that like trustworthy creative collaborative partner was such a gift because it lessened the burden i feel like but multiplied the joy so it's like kind of Ugh. the best of both worlds yes and yeah and elizabeth and i prayed over our partnership and our friendship before we started writing and so i feel like god just came in and just covered it and guarded it and really came in with this like spirit of unity that Buoyed us the entire time. So, yeah, absolutely.
2: I think it's helpful to have, like, not only with the friendship accountability of, like, I have to show up to do this work because Audrey's counting on me, but also when I write something and I'm like, this is probably terrible, but like, what do you think? And Audrey will be like, it's amazing. Or like, she'll just tell me, you know, like, these parts are amazing, work on this. And so it's helpful to have that, like, that outside perspective when you're in your own brain saying, like, I am the worst. So helpful to have another friend offer a realistic perspective. So that's been another gift for sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, there's so much of it that's going on in your own head that can be very detrimental in some ways, even Mm -hmm. though that's also where the good things come from, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So y'all have talked a little bit about like, you know each other through church, and this is obviously a very faith filled book. So I would like for us to take a hot second, and I would love to hear from each of you just a a wee blurb about your spiritual journey, just to give the people a sense of where you're coming from and where you are before we kind of dive into our conversation on singleness and the church and all that jazz. Elizabeth, you want to start?
2: Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll kick us off. Um, So my my faith journey begins with my family. I was raised in a Christian family in a environment in the South, which um, is an environment where there's a lot of Christian values as well. And I'm thankful for that. I'm really thankful for that foundation. And even more so than the traditional Christian environment, I'm more thankful that I have parents who modeled for my brothers and I what it looks like to have a personal relationship with God and so I'm so glad that I didn't experience Christianity as just religion or as just church on Sundays like I experienced Jesus as a person and the Holy Spirit as a person and the Bible as God's word <laughs> actually like alive and speaking to us encouraging us guiding us so that's amazing so I'm I'm truly like wow that's so cool that I had that foundation instilled in me from a young age. Then I moved to New York about four years ago and then my my faith journey very much became my own, I'd say, and went through a long season of a lot of doubting, a lot of questioning, which is very scary at first because I thought that was bad. Learned it's not. <laughs> Learned it's great, <laughs> actually. Learned it's like the way to have a better faith and a deeper faith and a stronger faith. So at least that's that's been my journey. So I... Came to this point where I was like, okay, I can't get rid of these doubts and questions. I must ask them. I must be honest about where I'm at and um, be honest with myself, be honest with my family, with God, with my community. And through that process of honesty, found a beautiful faith that is still growing, still like teaching me things about God and myself every day. So I'd say now my day-to-day faith journey looks a lot like being honest With myself, with God, it looks a lot like seeking God's word and love through scripture, through art, through friendships, through honesty. And it's amazing. I've just found faith to be this like journey that I love being on and there are highs and lows, but I love being on the journey with God. I found him to be a very kind and loving and safe God. I I hesitated on the word safe because I was like, "Is it safe?" Um, I think so for me. I think it's not always easy, but um, I think my soul is safe. So,
1: Mm. yeah, Yeah. I think it depends on your how you want to define safe, Mm -hmm. right? Because safe doesn't mean that it's going to be. A cushy gig. <laughs> it's
2: like, safe doesn't mean safe, but it means safe. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm totally tracking with you. So, yes. are you tracking? Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that.
0: So beautiful, Elizabeth. I could just listen to you talk about your faith all day.
2: Oh. <laughs> <Aww.
0: laughs> I love it. So, for me, similar upbringing, I was raised in the South in a Christian family, specifically in Texas, and both my parents love Jesus and they were raised by parents who love Jesus. So I would say my faith is definitely an inherited one. And I don't think I really made it my own or took my first baby step toward making it my own until middle school when I dealt with crippling performance anxiety around my volleyball games, my school volleyball Mm. games, which was such a like, a small thing in the grand scheme of life. But when you're 12 years old and worried about what people think about you, it can just be the biggest thing up in front of your face. You can't Mm -hmm. see anything else beyond it. And so my parents, you know, encouraged me to pray about it and to talk to Jesus about these fears. And so that was my first foray into prayer where these like, I would just be lying horizontally in my bed at night, just like shaking with fear about my volleyball game the next night and just asking God to see me and help me. And so it like laid this foundation for later in life when way more traumatizing things came up, like an eating disorder. I had anorexia for for a stint, healed from that. Thank you, Jesus. I dealt with panic disorder, just like a lot of different things that were bigger than the volleyball games. And yet I felt like mm-hmm. I was still communion with the same Jesus who met me on my bed in the like darkest shadows of night and was just there and mm-hmm. i think what i love so much about jesus is that he doesn't immediately move us into the mountaintop but he meets mm-hmm. us in the valley and like to me that is just a savior who's worthy of worshiping like the savior mm-hmm. who's with yeah. you in the valley and walks you out and i love that in scripture Our faith is described as a walk with God, a walk with the spirit. And I think that means like, you know, on any walk, you might have steady ground, you might have a valley, you might have a mountaintop. And I feel like that has been my experience. My spiritual experience is, you know, wherever I am and even in those steps, if I'm consumed with doubt and I don't even know if God is real, I still know he's been with me and that those things have not kept him from being with me. And so I think where I am now is just wanting more. I, I've i known yeah. Jesus. I've known the name of Jesus since birth, basically. And, you know, of course, like my relationship with him has grown and matured throughout my life. And it's also had some setbacks for sure. So it's ebbed and flowed, but he's been a constant in my life. And yet I still feel like there's more, there's more depth with him that I would like to explore more depth with the spirit that I would like to step into. and yeah, and so I think like Elizabeth said, I'm encountering him these days a lot in beauty, in art, in poetry, in nature, in a lot of places that are not bound by the church walls, which I think mm-hmm. a younger version of myself would have thought that was blasphemous. And so I'm kind of like tangling all these like pieces of theology that I grew up with in the South and trying to like work
1: with God on sifting what is true and what is not. So that's really where I'm at. Gosh, I love what you said about Jesus, like meeting us in the valley. And I found that to be so true when I'm in those kind of valley moments. All I want is for like the feeling or the experience to just like go away. And so when I think of being rescued from those things or like being met in those things, I think Jesus just make whatever this is stop. But I don't know, I guess I in my life have underestimated the power of just being met and seen and held in those valley moments, right? Mm -hmm. Versus having this conception that in order for Jesus to be good and faithful, all of the uncomfortable feelings or experiences have to not be there.
0: Yeah.
1: But really, I don't know, I found such solace and peace just from that feeling of companionship and also like... Being reminded in those moments that Jesus lived this fully human life and felt all of the human feelings and had all of those experiences willingly and really stepped into humanity in such a full Mm -hmm. comprehensive way Mm -hmm. that I think is really special and like also teaches me a lot about how to show up for people in those times. Yes. Where like it's not necessarily a matter of fixing or explaining. It's really just that embodied presence that can be so powerful.
0: Yes. Totally
1: yeah. agree. So true. So, so good. I also want to point out that all three of us grew up in the South and then have moved to New <laughs> York City. All right. hey. <laughs> Yeehaw. Which is such a specific pipeline or trajectory. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. <laughs> I also found that like I guess I didn't realize how much cultural Christianity stuff I had until I moved to an environment that was so not, it was so different from the one that I grew up in. Elizabeth, you touched on like what that untangling process was like for you, but is there anything in particular that you remember? Like, oh, that was totally like a cultural thing that I thought was Mm. Christian or biblical or whatever. And like, moving to such a different environment really shook that loose for me. And now I have this other way of viewing whatever it is.
2: I think so many things I think we'll, we'll we'll get into this, but there's cultural expectations of like marriage and family in the South that don't, that aren't necessarily as, as intense in New York. So I think we'll talk about that later. Um, One, the, the, another thing that pops in my head is just the awareness of like, God is such a mystery. Like, yes, there's, Mm. there's clarity in some ways, but he's, he's God. Like, he's so mysterious and huge. And it's amazing. I'm like, the fact that he is a mystery mm-hmm. is so great. Such a gift to us. Like it's a mystery an yeah. infinite mystery. We get to explore forever and never run out of like material to sift through. And I think what I was taught is that like, is with good intention, and I don't want to get too like swinging hard the complete opposite direction because I think this is so good, but like the boundaries of theology in my Mm. mind were like set. It was just like, okay, we believe this specific theology, therefore it's correct and true. And I felt very like I'm not allowed to like question these theological Mm. beliefs or like boundary Mm. lines or whatever. And I say this by saying, I do think it is great to have boundary lines and to have these like guardrails. but also I I took them as gospel (laughs) and I took them as true. And I took them as like all these smart people in my life, believe this therefore I have to and a step further if I don't believe it or if I'm even questioning it like that's bad I'm bad and I think that like that whether that was like actually communicated to me or that's something that I internalized probably just me internalizing it but moving to New York has really shown me that like actually like faith becomes vibrant and alive when we like press into the mystery and we take Mm -hmm. the like theological guardrails for what they need to be and they're helpful in the right context but also like sometimes they're just not sometimes we just kind of have to go off the rails and like (laughs) and explore and like let God take us off the rails you know what I mean like if God is trying to like take you somewhere wacky let him, I don't know. And again, then, then now I'm like reading myself back in and I'm like, but don't get too crazy. Um, I, So I'm just like, okay, let's all like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's like the, the, the like tension of like discernment, wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, like that while also the openness to like, and also maybe he'll blow your mind. So yeah. I think I was very like hesitant and cautious about like mm. new things and yeah. experiencing God in, other ways like poetry like nature like questions but i found that like those avenues are what have actually brought me to him mm-hmm. yeah so hope that wasn't too woo woo but audrey toss no, it to you. Me, okay i love this i started I talking
0: <laughs> no um what you just said reminded me of of this, there's this Shakespeare quote, which I cannot believe I'm quoting Shakespeare. Kill me. But um, <laughs> like, in the play, I believe it's As You Like It, there's this line where it basically says there are sermons and stones. And it's this idea that like you can experience God in many places. And I just have yeah. always thought that's so beautiful. I created a Spotify playlist called Sermons and Stones, where it was like non-Christian. Music that made me think of God.
1: Ooh, that's <laughs> so, amazing. I'd be private right now. So, um, yeah. You can put yeah, that in well. the episode description. Perfect. <laughs> Just perfect. <saying. laughs> I might need to review it.
0: <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I resonate with everything you said, both of you. Um, I think something I've only learned and am still learning is that there's so much room for curiosity in our faith mm-hmm. and that God mm. is so big and so capable of our questions. And when we ask questions, it's not a sign of a weak, sinful faith. In fact, I think it's a sign of a strong, curious, searching faith. Because if you're asking a question, it means you care (laughs) to some degree. And so I think God is just so big and can handle our questions and it's okay to ask them. And Mm. yeah. And like anytime I hear someone ask a question in community, I feel encouraged by it because it's like giving me permission to probe at things Mm. a little deeper, a little harder or to question like, okay, I've said, I believe this for my entire life, but why, why do I believe it? Like, where where did I get this from? Um, Is it true or is it cultural? So Mm. yeah, I feel like purity culture is one of those things that, yeah, it's really important for us to probe why we believe different things about like our sexual ethic and the South, you know, has its own cultural norms around it. And it's, I think, important for us to say like, okay, is this what God is saying? Like, is this what he's saying is for our good? And is he saying this because he loves us? Or did we twist this in our own like need for human control? Like there's just so many different things like that, that I mean, we could spend our entire lives, you know, like trying to get to the bottom of all these different issues. But I think that's just what I want to lean into more is curiosity. And I feel like here in New York, it's just a city of a bunch of dreamers. And so in church community in New York, I found that curiosity is this really beautiful element that a lot of people have. And so that has really convicted and inspired me.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that openness is something that has been such a refreshing part of being a Christian in New York and exactly what you're saying to Audrey curiosity openness wrestling the like yeah. that that's okay I really I love that and I've
1: really benefited from that yeah I love that We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about our Patreon community. If you're single and you've been in the church for more than approximately five minutes, you've probably noticed it's low to high key obsessed with marriage. This can make singles feel like outsiders in the community where we should feel most at home. That's why we've started a Patreon community. When you join our Patreon community, you get access to some awesome bonuses, like ad-free full interviews, bonus episodes, and a live monthly Q&A call. All you have to do is is head to patreon.com unsuitable choose which tier is best for you and sign up it's exhausting to feel like you're carving a path for yourself on your own we're here to walk with you as you are where you are tiers start at just five dollars a month head to patreon.com unsuitable i can't wait to see you there all right now back to the conversation I'd love to yeah. hear about singleness, your experience with being single in the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can maybe think about a time that you were like really aware of your singleness. Always, <laughs> I, <laughs> know, I was like, uh, like story I, am I ever maybe? not aware of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It kind of feels like am I never
2: not aware? I don't
1: know. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. I love the story driven prompt. If we want to go back to the South, I can share a story. (laughs)
1: Let's go back. (laughs) We're in Texas with you.
0: (laughs) So I just moved to a new town. I'll keep the details abstract just in case. Sure. I just moved to a new town and joined a church and was deeply single. But I don't even know if I had said (laughs) that. Like, I, you know, I don't know if it was a thing I said. (laughs) I don't think I did. I think I was just going to this church as Audrey. And during the like meet and greet time where the pastor's like turn and greet your neighbor, um, I met this older married woman. She was sitting in the row in front of me and she just latched on to this idea that she needed to set me up. Like she found out I was new to town And of (laughs) course, I needed a boyfriend. (laughs) And so she tried so hard to set me up with this one guy. I think she also had only met during the meet and greet time. Like she had no actual knowledge of who he was or his character or his interests, And she had no idea about those things for me either. And so she just tried so hard (laughs) to put us together. And there are not, there couldn't have been two more different people. There really couldn't have been more like humans than me and this guy. And so it just felt so like icky, I guess, to feel like Mm. this was this woman's mission to set up these two lonely single individuals. And it doesn't even matter if they're not compatible, if they wouldn't make sense as partners in God's kingdom. Like let's just get them together so they're not lonely. And so that Mm. was just a bizarre, a bizarre thing. And I ended up going to a different church. I ended up planning myself elsewhere. So I didn't really run into either of them again. But I remember thinking, like, wow, there's just so many other aspects of my being that I would have rather been seen, you know?
1: Mm.
0: Like, I would have rather been connected with someone who could be a writing partner. Or, like, I don't Mm. know. I think it was just such a, like, it was like overlooking me and this guy's interest
1: and hearts and minds and souls just for the sake of like setting two people Mm. up. So this person encounters you for the first time at church and their first instinct is to set you up versus to know you as Mm -hmm. a person, right? To say, Mm -hmm. here's a person who is alone at church, instead of thinking, why don't I get to know them? It's like, why don't I set them up with someone who can get to know them? Mm. And I think this speaks to like a deeper desire that humans have for connection, but singles, I think particularly in church spaces aren't necessarily looking for that right off the bat, right? You mentioned all of these other parts of yourself that you would love to connect with other people on like writing partner or, or, you know, any number of things. Like I'm curious to hear how I don't know if you've experienced that dissonance a lot or like what are some ways that you've found people have sort of stepped into that space and instead of trying to kind of offload you into the like romantic pipeline like stepped in and said no I want to I want to know you as a person mm-hmm. not like I'm only seeing your singleness about you.
0: Right. Yeah. I I think that's another beautiful part of community in New York. I have found that my artistic writing side has been most seen and encouraged in New York and like I feel mm-hmm. like community has been formed around that part of my identity and not whether I'm single dating or married. Yeah. And so I feel like you know there's often a lot of ministries for single people and then for married people and then there's engaged sometimes but i'm finding that those are just like not the categories that i want to be in like i mm-hmm. want to be in the group of writers or the group of artists or just like those sorts of of areas where we're reflecting aspects of god's character in a way that has nothing to do with who we're paired with or who we're not paired with yeah and just feeling seen in the way that I feel like God sees me and it's created me. And just like remembering that all of us have years behind us of like history and interest and family and friendships and desires and dreams Mm -hmm. and hopes. and, And those are all comprising a person. And like whether or not you're with someone else is just a small part of that. Yeah. A small part of like who you are and who you were meant to be. And so I want to apply the same thing to like my conversations with friends. Like, I don't want my first question to be like, if I'm getting coffee with a friend, I don't want to be like, so how are, how's it going with boys? (laughs)
1: Like, I don't
0: (laughs) want to like start off with that or place so much emphasis on that because it's one piece of the pie. It's not the entire pie. And so yeah. I think like the pressure is also on me to to make sure I don't make others feel like I only care about their dating. Yeah. So, I think we all have a part to play in this and mm-hmm. I definitely don't think I'm innocent in it. Yeah.
1: Mm. So yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. I love so many things about what you just said. A couple of larger questions came up as you were talking. One, like what do we form community around? And you, you've mm. spoke to this tendency to kind of segment ourselves, even in church spaces, right, by relationship status, when, like, that's, you know, especially for single people, I think, you know, this speaks to my second question, which was how do we want to be identified? Like, what do we want to be the thing that people think of first when they mm-hmm. think of us as human beings? Mm-hmm. One thing I think that makes it so tricky to, like, create singles ministries or to reach out to singles is that like there's so many that don't want that to be the thing right that they don't want that to be the thing that they're building community around because any number of reasons to me I think there's a component of like right single as an identifier is sort of identified by what is not present in our lives when the reality is that our lives are so full in so many different ways yes So it's a classification that I think can be very complicated for a lot of people. At the same time, I think that that's like uh, such a human thing, right? That maybe singles feel a little bit more acutely for that reason Mm -hmm. where like as human beings, we're whole human beings, right? We're not just Mm -hmm, our relationship status. And so Mm -hmm. like as singles, you know, having that identifier not be a thing of that like gives us social clout or like that gives us, you know, a feeling of like, (laughs) I got it going on. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I think that like speaks to this deeper human issue of like, no, we aren't just this one part of our lives. We're complex and nuanced. So the way that we form community should be a little bit more complex and nuanced. Mm. And I think that's like, a huge way that singles are a gift to the church is that like we kind of as you were saying have this level of empathy and compassion that's like well like wait we don't actually just want to talk about this one thing like and as human beings we shouldn't talk about this one thing like it mm-hmm. re- whether you're single or married right that's not the only thing about you as a human being we're, there's yeah. so many different elements of our lives mm-hmm. and and kind of can be this way that singles can serve Everyone, by just kind of helping us all kind of break out of that insular mindset, right? Mm. That says my nuclear family unit is the truest thing about me. Mm. No, there's like so much more to us as human beings. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's a good point. I haven't even thought of it like that.
2: Um, I think that's amazing. I feel like I remember this being a question someone asked me, I think around my birthday, and they were just kind of like, how do you feel like you've grown? And uh, I think at that point in my life, I was just feeling. I was just stepping into this new level of fulfillment that I think I'd never experienced before as a single person. And I was like, I love this in this like brand new way. I'm like, I feel so whole. I feel so like myself, like this is so cool. And this friend was like, how can we help you like do that more? Like, how can we help you like keep this momentum going or whatever? And I really thought about it and I was like, uh, honestly, if you would also do the same thing for yourself, like if we, Mm -hmm. like, if you were like equally like, pursuing that fulfillment or like experiencing the same level of wholeness for yourself like I think that that Mm -hmm. is what would keep this momentum going if that makes sense it's Mm -hmm. not like wow I'm feeling this momentum of wholeness within myself help me feed into that for me it's like no the way that you feed into that for me me. is by yes yes, become with me like you do the same (laughs) like let's do this together each for ourselves. And so that was like a really cool light bulb moment of like, we can all experience this and we all encourage each other to experience that when we're doing it ourselves Mm -hmm. Yes, and growing in that way
1: ourselves. Yes. Yes. I love that. Gosh, that's so good. I feel like a lot of the the struggle with, you know, being in a good place and, and trying to keep going is there's so much around us that I think is kind of pulling us back into this, like, I have to be married to be complete mindset. So to have the people around you like going with you and reinforcing and affirming, mm-hmm. like all collectively together, this holistic way Wholeness. of being and living yeah. is really the a good way to kind of combat that pull to like yeah get, get sucked back into that right. what's wrong with me kind of mindset. Yeah. 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 And I feel like I had
2: this thought earlier, Mary B, when you were talking about like people being identified as single and like kind of what that implies. I'm like, I feel like that maybe just in the church, but I I do feel like that sometimes can imply that like we're sad about that (laughs) or like that there's like, so you're single. So like, obviously you're disappointed or like, obviously like you're, you're looking and that is not necessarily untrue. Like there definitely, I'm, there are times in my life where I have been bummed about that or have been looking, yeah, but that's actually not really true right now. Like I, yes, like the fact that I'm single is a statement of fact, but there's like no implication that I'm sad about that or disappointed or lacking at all. And so I do think that that's a limiting thing that being identified as single can do is like, yeah, yeah, just, it it implies that like, okay, so you, there's something missing, um, when absolutely there's not. And Yeah. yeah, and this almost, I mean, this is kind of like, I'm kind of, uh, Processing what this means for me right now. But I do feel like when you, like, I don't know, as I'm experiencing this, like, wholeness and fulfillment as a single person, and I, that I'm like, oh, I, this is kind of like a new threshold for me. And so, like, mm-hmm. if marriage is not gonna like add to my life, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm kind of, and that's yeah. where I'm kind of like, oh. and so, like, I think where I'm on with at with that is just realizing like it's gonna take, it's not gonna be just anyone that's gonna add to my life at this point. Like, Right. My life is really whole right now. And so like, mm. and so being in a relationship with someone might not help that it like actually yeah. might detract from that. And so it is yeah. this new level of awareness of like the type of person that I want to be in a relationship with is a very specific type of person. <laughs> and like, yeah. advice, like for that person too, like I would hope that like, you know, if I do get into a relationship with someone, they will also be living extremely whole lives that I will add yeah. to and not take away from. So yeah. but the realization that like wow that's actually gonna at this point in my life be rare. I don't know. I'm just kinda like I don't really know yeah. who would do that. <laughs> so um not and I'm not saying like ah, I don't want to get married anymore, but I am just aware <laughs> that like it's I don't I don't know, it's gonna take a lot.
1: <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Yes. Um I might regret saying this later, honestly. I don't know what I think anymore, but I'm just figuring it out. <laughs> Um, but
1: what I'm trying to say is there is so much wholeness in singleness and um it's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think the kicker is there's this kind of binariness that we maybe assign to like in, in how we perceive right the various relationship status where like married equals happy and single equals sad, mm-hmm. where the reality mm-hmm. is that both are both. Like both are both are both. Yeah. Like both yeah. married and single. are Are like you go through like it's all of it right like it's Mm -hmm. that's just life whether you're married or single right like there's certain things right like we can't you know negate the fact that systemically there are certain things that are better if you're married right like health insurance and you know all that jazz but you know (laughs) like on a more like personal fulfillment level right like sometimes like in a in a person's marriage there are times when things are really great and they're happy and all of that. And there are times when things are really, really hard. And when you're single, right, they, there's there's both of those as well. Mm-hmm. I think that it comes in peaks and valleys and that's just a normal life thing. And so to yeah. like equate one with being inherently happy and the other with being inherently sad, you do a disservice to both because you're not allowing either to have the full range of expression and experience. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's so good. good. As we're talking about perception, um, what is something that you wish the church understood about you? Yeah.
0: So so I should come clean and say that I am dating. (laughs) I am a man who is wonderful (laughs) and lovely and kind and all good things, but we're dating and we're not married. And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting in the church because for all intents and purposes, I am a single person. Like my tax form says I am single. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. marriage is held up as this relationship and like rightfully so because, you know, we're compared to like marriage is compared to Jesus and his bride. Like that is a big deal in scripture to compare Mm -hmm. marriage to that. But I feel like marriage is the relationship that is given the most attention in a church if we're Mm -hmm. talking about person on person relationships. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like, Like, dating and maybe friendships, like, those two things are person-on-person relationships that maybe are not given as much attention when in reality, those two are so important. And, like, I think dating isn't given as much attention because there's this, like, fast track to try to get you into covenant when in reality, (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, so true. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if you just look at like relationships in the church, they move quicker toward marriage than people who yeah. are not in the church. But then that kind of devalues the dating aspect, which is like mm-hmm. glorified friendship, honestly, not glorified friendship. I want to take that back. Friendship is already filled with glory enough.
1: Woo! Um, <laughs> right. Tear for friendship. I believe friends <laughs> are
0: our truest soulmates. I will die on yes. this. Yes. <laughs> yes, but like dating. There are so many things that it would be awesome to have, like mentorship in, or like mm. wisdom in, and totally. and not just like don't do this, don't do this, don't do this until you're married. But like, yeah, like what can you add to your dating relationship that's like life giving mm. and makes you whole, and you both are moving toward wholeness together in dating and not in marriage. And so, so that and then friendship. I feel like like same in friendship like how can we grow as people who are in life together who are yeah. whole individuals how can we love each other as friends how can we nourish friendship because those matter too like just
2: because absolutely
0: you aren't married yet and you may not be like single per se there's still so much like color and nuance that yeah, that it would be awesome to have like wisdom to help us navigate. And of course we have the spirit in us that is, is providing that wisdom, but sometimes you just need community to rally around where you are in your life, like in this time, this day, this minute. And so that's what I would say is
2: mm. that's mm. what I would need. Yeah. <laughs> that is so good. I love that emphasis on friendship. Mm-hmm. I think that is so real. And And I think that you sent me an article about this, Audrey, several months ago, but it was something about like covenant friendship. Yes. Or I don't mm -hmm. know. We had some conversation about that where it's like there is so much emphasis put on covenant marriage, which is amazing. We love. But like covenant friendship. Yeah. Like what? Like I've never even considered that as a concept, but I think it's so important where it's like you may not be legally attached or romantically attached, but you're covenantally committed to each other. And like, that is so important and that can happen in friendships. Yes. So Mm. I think that that would be, yeah, it'd be amazing if the church like rallied around friendships. Yeah. Mm.
0: I mean, Jesus called us not servants, but friends, you know? And so it's Mm. like, gosh, there's just such a a beautiful model we have as Jesus is our friend and his friendships when he was on earth in his ministry. Gosh, friendship ministry. (laughs) Friendship here. ministry, we love it. And I do think in dating, like that's something so important to cultivate is friendship in dating. It's not mm-hmm. just about yeah. not having sex, you know, or like yeah, getting yeah. to like make sure every conversation you're talking about the future. Like, no, I think dating mm-hmm. is done best when you both have a foundation of friendship, and mm-hmm. yeah. I think that can only be encouraged within the church when the church values friendship as yeah. an
1: important relationship. Ugh, y'all are bringing up so much good stuff. I'm not, I was not expecting to be, you know, uh, wanting to preach on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> but <laughs> here we so are. Good. Wall, so good. are so good. I don't know if y'all have read Spiritual Friendship by Wesley Hill, but it's so good. Oh. It's so, so good. And that's something that he talks about as a concept. There's so much potential, right? In the relationship of friendship because it is so unique. It's like, entirely voluntary right it's entirely like it is circumstantial in some ways but like the thing that ties you together is like your mutual choice to be there for each other mm-hmm. and i think that's the case with any relationship but right there's no there's no legal tie or like you know spiritual covenant commitment tie necessarily tying you together it just it can feel so tenuous and at the same time it can feel so precious in a lot of ways because it's so voluntary it's like okay well it's not like they're just here because it's very complicated to untangle our lives legally you right. know and it's expensive <laughs> right like so when i when a friend sees me not at my best and they choose to stick around that's such a mm. i think a powerful signpost to mm. to the love of god right and yes. to the love of christ and his like voluntarily coming to earth to be with us and live a human life. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's so good. So freaking good.
0: Good. Very pro friendship. (laughs) Pro friendship.
2: I think of, I know like first Corinthians 13 is often used in the context of romantic relationship, but I think of like my friends when I hear the verse, like love, like always believes, always hopes, always perseveres. I'm like, those are my friends. I'm like, those are my people. So yes, I think I've definitely seen the love of Christ given to me through friends and that's yeah. just so beautiful
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: elizabeth did you have a specific thing you wanted to add to the what oh, is one thing you wish the church wish knew people, about you church knew. question
2: i kind of touched on this earlier and this is just me in my season of life right now but i i kind of just wish they knew that i'm not sad yeah. <laughs> but i'm like it's all good and that like i've i have been in relationships where i've felt cut in half and i'm looking for a relationship where i've feel doubled like where i can i'm able to double. Wow. it's like i yeah and that's very hard to find i that is very hard to find that's why i'm not in one i don't know what that even like is gonna take but like that is what i'm looking for and like but i'm aware that that's a lot and it's a big ask so i'm i'm not sad like i'm okay as i am and i wish that we could connect on other things <laughs> You know, as we've already talked on other things, I'm like, let's let's grow in prayer together. Let's grow yeah. in like let's cultivate our imaginations together. Like that's seems to be yes. a more important pursuit to me. And yeah. that I genuinely do trust, like, again, I because it's a, a lot to be looking for, but I, I genuinely trust that like that God is gonna bring someone into my life when it's time. So therefore I'm like not really worried, Mm -hmm. this is a new thing for me. (laughs) I'm like, for anyone who's like, I wish I could not be worried. I'm like, I literally have lived decades of my life very worried. So like, it's okay. (laughs) I'm I'm with you. I understand what that feels like too. But at this point, I'm like, God's gonna bring someone if he wants to at the right time. So I'm kind of like letting myself off the hook right now when that in like that regard. So I just feel like if other people also felt let off the hook, like if you, unless you like genuinely meet someone who you're like, wow, they would be a great, great, creative partnership. And I think she'd be into him. Mm -hmm. Great. Set us up. Mm -hmm. But if not, I'm okay. (laughs) Like I really am like fine. So yeah.
1: Let's circle back a little bit to this incredible phrase that you said. Okay. What was it? You, I've had relationships where I felt cut in half Mm -hmm. versus like a relationship where I want to feel doubled, doubled in size. Yeah. RIP me. (laughs) I love that so
2: much. Yes. I had a mentor tell me that. She was like, I had, this is years ago, but I had just gotten out of a relationship and was devastated. And she was like, Elizabeth, yes. that relationship cut you in half and you need someone who is going to make you double in size, like halved. So you need to be doubled instead of halved. And I was yes. like, oh, yes. excuse me. <laughs> I am. Okay. Yes, I am Lord. Lord.
1: Very clamped. Yes. And that where the other person is right also,
2: now. yeah. Like where you're mutually doubled and yeah. instead of like, Mutually halved, or maybe one person is halved and the other person's just fine. You know, like that's also not And healthy, the other so. person's
1: one and a half.
2: Yeah. They have yeah. one of
1: your halves. They have <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Been in a lot of those two.
1: <laughs> 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 me <laughs> too. <laughs> 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 wow. I'm just going to sit for a hot second in that mm-hmm. phrase because I love that so much. Because you're right. It's like, um, I don't know. I, I don't know why this is what's coming to mind when I think about that phrase, but I think about like, the relation like and this is not to disparage anyone this is how I was in my dating relationship but you like I think about relationships that like pull you out of areas of your life that are very that can be very life-giving like like Mm, you start dating someone and like that's all that is like your life becomes you're like ghosting your friends blah 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 that whole thing Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what kind of comes to mind when I hear that phrase so like is it a person who is going to Step into right, you're going to step into all that is already going on and all Mm -hmm. that is healthy in each other's lives, versus are you going to pull each other out of the things that are healthy and whole? Mm
0: -hmm. And like,
1: obviously, there's a sense of you know, you're like combining two people's lives, and so there is a sense of like, well, there's certain things that kind of have to be compromised or or whatever, but like, also is this relationship inviting you to like sequester yourself and isolate yourself in this relationship? Or is it yeah. inviting you to step into even more of yeah. like health and wholeness yes. and, and all of that? Totally. Yes.
2: Or are you like losing your life? Is your life and yourself being absorbed into this other person's life? Right. Or are you yes. like able to both be your whole selves? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like
0: be the people God wanted you to be and created you yeah. To be together.
2: Yeah. That's
0: like magic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. and both being excited about the other person's wholeness like yeah. being really like i see that you're whole and i love it and i want to like encourage that and like only yeah. help that grow and for yes. that to be mutual a mutual kind of pursuit and this like yes. mutual upholding of the other person's wholeness i feel like that that would be amazing <laughs> But I do think my, I will speak from my experience and what I haven't done well, (laughs) which is that like, I think I, in my past relationships have not had a healthy sense of who I am as a whole person. And so I go into a relationship expecting the other person to complete that or to like give me affirmation in these areas where it's like, they really don't, it's nice if they do, I would love that, but like, it can't be all on them to like affirm me, boost me, like, complete yeah. my insecurities, if that makes sense, to, like, fill in those yeah, gaps yeah. for me. And so that has then led me to, like, be unhealthily dependent. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like to kind of be in this, like, healthy give and take, like, with two imperfect people, it yeah. it may take a healthy dose of, like, you kind of being, you and God together being able mm. to, like, be okay. Yeah. And then the other person, like, can add to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think both people need to be moving toward health and wholeness and sure of the of who they are in God, with the underlying caveat that of course we're human and imperfect. But the direction mm-hmm. I think should always be facing forward together. Um yeah, I'm no expert in relationships at all, so I'm never going to position myself as that. But I think I've found that. In the same way that friendship usually forms with ease, I think a good relationship, a good romantic relationship should have that underlying current of ease as well. Like when I hear of friends who are constantly having hard conversations with their significant other and like constantly working through things, I just, it, it worries me because I'm like, oh, are you doing that with friends? I don't think so. Like if you're not Mm, constantly having hard conversations with your friends and like working through stuff, like I don't think you should be doing that in your dating relationship either. Mm -hmm. And so like that has been the most refreshing breath of fresh air with my current boyfriend. Like we we just have a level of ease that feels like friendship. It feels like that Mm -hmm. feeling when you can just show up and be fully yourself and just trust that like what you say is being taken the right way, that the other person believes the best about you and hopes the best mm-hmm. for you. And yeah there's like lightheartedness to it. Like you're not just always Mm -hmm. going through the muck. Like we need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. You didn't love me well in this way. Like we don't do, I mm -hmm. mean, there is of course, always room for conflict and hard conversations, just like in Mm -hmm. friendship, like every now and then there are going to be tougher seasons. But I think that would be my most amateur advice (laughs) is to look where the ease is and where Mm. you aren't constantly having to evaluate where you stand with each other. And there's not mm. like confusion all the time either, because, you know, with my best friends, I'm never wondering how they feel about me. Like I'm never confused. Mm. Like how does Elizabeth feel about me? Yeah.
2: I'm so glad (laughs) that there's never confusion about that. There should never be a doubt in your mind. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And yeah. And so
0: that's how I feel about my boyfriend too, which is, which is a gift. And yeah. And obviously we're dating, we're not married. And so I cannot speak to marriage at all. To me, that's like the wild West. (laughs) I have no (laughs) idea what that's like. Um, But that's just something I've learned about, about this stage in this season. Mm -hmm. That is
2: honestly so beautiful and encouraging, Audrey. Like that's, I'm like, wow. That must be so nice, truly. Like to not question like <laughs> someone's feeling about you. Like, yeah, yeah that's so it, great. That's amazing. So great,
0: but yeah, like I said, we experience it in friendship too. So, mm. like yeah. that yes. gift is accessible to You're all right. of us. Like whether or not right. we're dating. So that's just yeah. so beautiful that God, like, wants us to be connected and in relationship, like whatever that relationship looks like. So yes.
2: Those are some wise words, Miss Ellidge. I also I feel like conflict done in a healthy way breeds intimacy in the long term, and like drama just doesn't. Like drama just perpetuates chaos. So I do think like you're right. There's definitely a difference in those two.
1: Mm-hmm. For yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So a couple last questions before we close out our conversation. This has been super lovely, BT Dubs. I'm. This is just such a great way to spend a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I agree. So first question is, how can we support you? Where can we follow you on the interwebs? And tell us where to get your book and all all of that jazz. Our book
2: is out today when this podcast arrives. Mm -hmm. So hooray. So it's called Liturgies for Hope. And you can buy it on bookshop.org. You can buy it at what? Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Target. Target. All the spots.
1: All the, the spots. places. We've the got internet. distribution <laughs> on lock.
2: Yeah. So just pick your fave. And then I am on Instagram and you can find me at Elizabeth J. Moore. And then Audrey is on, not on Instagram. <laughs> I am not on Instagram. I am on hey. Twitter. Audrey May 17.
1: Cool. Well, I will put all of those things in the episode description. So it's nice mm. and easy for people to find y'all. My last question for you is tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great. Yeah, I feel like mine are two sides of
0: the same coin. So to bring it back to the book, one thing that's hard is having what feels like two full-time jobs. <laughs> Elizabeth mm-hmm. and I uh, talk about this often since we are in full book season right now. So we have day jobs and then we moonlight as authors. So and we daylight as authors as well. And so navigating that has been <laughs> my sleep is off. So but the the thing that's really great, the flip side of that is that it is truly a dream come true. And yeah. I feel like God has just seen this desire and dream in my heart that I've had since I was a little girl to be an author. So You will never hear me complaining about the busy schedule. I may say I'm drowning right now, but Mm. I say that with
2: all the gratefulness in the world. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. Mm.
2: Retweet all of that. I, um, (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that feeling of overwhelm is present for me as well. But also the gratitude of like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. But I'll just touch on a couple of different things. I'd say one thing that is hard. And again, I hope that me saying this results in someone else saying me too. But I think I am learning right now how to really not be ashamed of myself (laughs) in Mm. like a lot of areas. And so I think right now I'm actively fighting kind of my tendency for like negative self-image thoughts to just like completely waylay me. And I am kind of for the first time standing up for myself, to myself and being like, no, man, no, (laughs) those are not true thoughts and standing up for myself, you know, just in general. So I think that's actually, well, it is good, but it's been hard. So I think that that's the first thing that popped in my mind, honestly, is like the mental battle of whack a mole false negative thoughts about myself Mm -hmm. constantly in faith. Mm -hmm. It's going to maybe get better. Maybe those thoughts will be less frequent, but I'm in that process right now and it's good but hard. And then a good thing is, uh, I'd say community and friendship on the Upper West Side. That's the neighborhood that I mm-hmm. live in. And it's really sweet. It's really diverse. It's like, you know, married, single, with kids, no kids, dating, Yeah, you know, all the, you know, men, women, everything. And those friendships are really sweet. One reason being we're closely in proximity to each other. So we all live in the mm-hmm. same neighborhood. I will mm-hmm. definitely run into More than one person that I know on a daily basis at a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. at the grocery store, walking on the sidewalk, going for walks. And I just think that is a really beautiful, especially as a person who I I live with a roommate, but I don't live with a family of my own. And so having like a neighborhood that feels like I have some family members that I will Mm -hmm. run into on a daily basis is extremely
1: sweet. So that's
2: a really good Mm -hmm. thing right now.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, Elizabeth and Audrey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for a lovely conversation.
2: Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Mary B. So good.
1: If you're a single Christian who's tired of trying to cultivate a full, meaningful life alone, it might be time to try one-on-one coaching. I'm Mary B. Saferit, a singles coach committed to helping you make the most of your right now life. Head to com slash coaching, fill out the interest form, then schedule your free 60-minute intro call. I can't wait to hear from you. You can follow Elizabeth on Instagram at Elizabeth J. Moore and Audrey on Twitter at May 17 Their book, Liturgies for Hope, is available wherever you buy books. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at maryb.saferit or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybsaferit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum, sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Saferit, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flip flop